Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Arden Tiffin No game for the Blues at the weekend as Cheltenham falls victim to the weather But the midweek fixtures mean United are now 10 points adrift for safety can Simmer perform miracle and keep us up? We look ahead to this weekend's clash with Bolton and answer your listener questions. Yeah, it's strange one, isn't it? You think maybe the way things have been going this season, you'd be happy to push back the Cheltenham game to get us the extra players in. But I'm a little bit disappointed because I think it would have been a nice little marker to see where we are, wouldn't it, Adam, I think? Yeah, off the back of, um, off the back of Barnsley, which... In the most part, at least, was an encouraging performance. Um, then it would have been nice to sort of see how they'd have reacted to that in uh, the immediate, uh, well, the game immediately after. But obviously, storms and such. Uh, well, it wasn't the storms actually; it was the the cold weather put a, a stop to that. So we'll have to wait for this weekend against a much tougher opponent. Yeah, and obviously, the Cheltenham game has been pushed back to April, which we'll talk about briefly in the news section as well. But. Um... But yeah, so obviously the fact that there's no game to review means that we were a bit like, what do we do for this episode? So I put out a tweet earlier today asking for you for your questions for us. And you've come back by the, uh, well, three dozen worth, what's 36 different replies I think we had to that. We're not necessarily going to get through all of them. And some of them do overlap a little bit. Mm. So we'll try and combine them. But we'll try and cover them. But also we've also got news to cover because uh, it seems to be the, the fashion now for Cal United. They announced signings before the podcast gets recorded, which is... Very, very kind of the Piatics. I've got to give them some credit for that. So we've got a couple of bits to cover there. And then obviously then we'll look ahead to the Bolton game where we have a behind enemy lines chat with uh, Ryan from the Trotter Chatter um, podcast. And obviously then uh, Adam and myself will also talk about the game and what United might do in terms of the lineup side because it's quite interesting with a couple of additions as to whether there'll be any change. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Definitely. Um, right before we start, though, just a reminder, the podcast is sponsored by the Carl United Sports Club, London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. Doesn't matter where you live in the world, you can join up. If you live in Tanzania, you can join up. If you live in Equatorial Guinea, you can join up. If you live in Cameroon, you can join up. I'm, I'm in an African couple of nations, um, African nations, sorry, uh, uh, mood today because uh, of Dan's question the other week in terms of other players he played for it. So, uh, so yeah, uh, if you live in any of those places, you can sign up to be a member of the London Badgers. They do a lot of fantastic stuff in terms of travel for away games. I think they might struggle to get your travel from Tanzania and Equatorial Guinea, but you know, they, they'll, they'll have a, stretch, a go. Yeah. They'll have a go. But they also do a lot of fundraising for the club in terms of uh, getting equipment for the medical team and things like that down the years. So if you want to find out about them, go to their website, org. Right, let's get into it. News time. Uh, well, we'll start with the, the two good bits of news. Um, and that was the two signings that were made earlier today, Adam. Um, yeah, one of them was sort of rumoured for most mm-hmm. of the week. You know, there was mumblings about him coming in. Um, and the other one just came out of nowhere. It was a bit of a, a shock one, really, and not a name that had been linked. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, obviously, the two players have come in are Jack Diamond on loan till the end of the season from Sunderland and Josh Vella, the captain of Fleetwood, one of our relegation rivals, has joined on a permanent 18-month deal with an option for one extra year on top of that. Let, let's talk about Diamond first, Adam. Now, this is... We'll obviously be careful in terms of what we say in terms of this. The, the, the club has sort of handled this pretty well as well, but 
I think most people know that he's been involved in a legal case in mm-hmm. the last year or so. So um, he he's he's quite well thought of at Sunderland. I think they they, they, they thought he was a pretty decent prospect. He had had a couple of loan spells at Harrogate Town. He's a 24-year-old winger, I should say. Um, he's done very well at Harrogate. In fact, scored a couple of times against us, I think, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, played alongside Luke Armstrong there as well for, for a spell. Um, he then went on loan to Lincoln City last season in League One and did okay there as well. As well, yeah, yeah, fairly decent record. Then in March, he was charged with one count of rape and one count of sexual assault. Um, he had his loan spell that Lincoln terminated. He was suspended by Sunderland. The case went to court earlier this year, and um, he was cleared by a jury of nine men, sorry, nine women and three men in less than half an hour. Um, yeah, it, it's one of the difficult ones. I know that some people might look and think, is it worth the baggage in terms of all the issues there? But he has been cleared. That That's a factual statement. And I, we don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it. I, what I'll do is I will read out what Nigel Clibbins uh, said in the statement by the club on the club website on the announcement of the signing. He said, uh, we would like to give Jack a very warm welcome to Brunton Park and Cal United. As he joins us, it's important for us to set out the club's position on Jack's recent acquittal. It's a matter of public record and widespread media reporting that Jack has recently faced prosecution and charges at a Crown Court trial with all the headlines and intense public security that brings. That has overshadowed the last two years of his personal life and career. The following, following the conclusion of the, that judicial process in early January 2024, a jury at Newcastle Crown Court found him not guilty of all the charges after an extremely short deliberation. After being cleared, he then returned to Sunderland to resume his football career. This is now an opportunity for Jack to move forward in his life and after an extremely challenging period. He can now return to football again, do what he does best. We want to emphasise our ongoing support for him uh, and in the season ahead as he looks forward to the future with Carlisle United. We recognise the judicial process has been followed, having been subject to the law of the land, tried in front of a jury and acquitted, he is now able to move on. We want to help him do that. We believe this is the right thing to do and our fans will show support and give, will show support this and give Jack their full support too. Um, Pretty straightforward, I think. I think the, the club have actually handled it very well, but there was a little bit of concern for me when it was linked to like, are they going to just sort of almost brush it under the carpet and not mention it? They've They've tackled it head on. Everything they said there is factually correct. You know those those sort of statements, as, as you know as much as I do, Adam, go through they go through with a fine tooth comb in terms of making mm-hmm. sure it's legally correct what yeah. they say. And there's not much to argue with it, really. Is that at the end of the day, it, when you, when you read the details of it, it was a, it was a quick acquittal. You 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 have to move on at that point. He has he has to be have a, have a chance to rebuild his life and let let's focus then on the football side of it now. Um, in terms of that. It's a very good signing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one that um, when I've been doing research for various things, it's one that I looked up. I hadn't uh, looked at him as a potential target uh, since his uh, acquittal, but in previous times, obviously, I knew what was what was going on with him, um, and thought, you know, obviously, if he didn't have this big cloud hanging over him, then it's somebody who Carlo could potentially look at. That cloud mm-hmm. has now passed. And I think it's a, a very smart move and it's one that Carlos should be looking to do more of, you know, getting pl- players who are maybe trying to build themselves up, build back confidence slash careers uh, in this case um, at a lower level who are within our range of geography 
it's something we've really struggled with over the last few years, just due to broken down relationships and, and that sort of thing. But I think also what it addresses, obviously he's a very good quality player, but he's somebody who's at least had at least a decent output in League One, which is one thing that mm-hmm. I know a lot of fans have, have clambered for in terms of we're not signing players who have proven at this level, which in my opinion is always going to be hard because yeah. if someone's proven at this bottom. level, exactly we're at the bottom and nobody who's proven at this level they're probably going to have suitors elsewhere. So um, I think it's good that we've been able to do this move and get somebody who is League One proven to a certain extent. And our understanding is that he's out of contract in the summer as well at yeah. Sunderland. So it, it, it almost, it's almost a, a little, you know, try before you buy for almost for yeah. us in terms of potentially could we could, could we bring him in in the summer and he's got pace as well. He's got pace and trickery and that's something we really lacked in, in the wide areas this mm-hmm. season, haven't we? Yeah, it's something that I, I, well, I don't think pace. Yes, obviously the trickery you can argue Gibson and and such provide that, but I think he's a more sort of well-rounded winger than yeah. Gibson is. Gibson can be very effective, but he's more, I'd say, of a one-trick pony than uh, than Diamond is. Which obviously I'll be, I can be proven wrong about that, but I think he's more of a dynamic winger. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Gibson's. Gibson almost more would like to play that number 10 role, wouldn't he? I think he would like to be more involved in the middle rather than mm-hmm. be left out wide a lot of time, even though actually he does excel when he plays out wide. Whereas I suspect Diamond will be quite happy to be playing in that, in that wide area. That's where he's going to excel and he's really going to enjoy himself, hopefully. so. And it gives us the option to go 4-3-3 now with Gibson and Diamond. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that we've not really had the option of. I I think they're sort of going to stick with this five back now. I think that decision has sort of been yeah. made and go into a three up front then if you don't have the wingers who are willing to track back, which by all accounts from Simo, uh, Diamond's got a, a, a good work rate. So it allows that flexibility more. Whereas if we'd have played a front three of... Uh, well, up until this signing of Butterworth, Armstrong, Gibson, you're just you're leaving yourself a bit at risk. Whereas now, I think you can mm-hmm. lean a bit more on having those wingers provide that defensive cover rather than having yeah. three midfielders if you want to do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's go on to the other signing then, and that's uh, Josh Vella, who's signed on a 18 month deal with a one year option. I think that's based on appearances uh, for him. Yeah, um, that's what Simon said. From a uh, Fleetwood Town, he was their captain. Um, yeah, it just feels like a bit of a weird one out of nowhere, this one. But a good experienced campaigner, certainly someone who knows the tackle and he gets stuck in. We'll talk about his discipline record because there might be an upcoming issue with that potentially for us. Um, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on this one? I was very surprised. I saw someone tweet about, uh, you know, taking... Um, taken another club's captain from this league and I went to comment to see if they'd go and they'd put some uh, a Fleetwood Mac uh, gif underneath it as sort of a hint <laughs> and I immediately thought oh well, it's Marriott because I, I just didn't know who Fleetwood's captain was and then I went on to the, uh, their recent games and I thought well, the C's not next it's next to Vela is it, is it, Ve- is it Vela or yeah. is it Vela I think Vela. it's Vela I think it's, I think Vela, it's Vela. Yeah. Vela. Uh, right uh, so yeah I hadn't seen anyone say anything about it. I hadn't heard anything. Um, yeah. I definitely wasn't expecting a potential Fleetwood player to be joining Carlisle to be him. But yeah. it sort of made more sense, especially with the the news that came out it was just before then uh, mm-hmm. that came out about Mox's contracts, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, 
but they've been saying they've been working on it since sort of around late or just after Christmas, um, mm. which I was definitely surprised about. Yeah, that, that was a little bit of a surprise, but it, it's one of those ones. Maybe someone who Sim was always liked and always looked at and thought, you know, I mean, to be fair, you look at his record; he's pretty much consistently played at, at League One level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Quite a few years now, hasn't he? You know, Shrewsbury and Fleetwood, obviously Bolton before that, a little bit in the Championship for Bolton as well. So he's certainly someone that he had something a little bit different, and maybe he will cover a bit more of that Callum Guy role because we all thought Harrison Neal was going to be that player, but actually Harrison Neal's played a bit further forward, hasn't he? Yeah, really? well, I think he's been. I think he's been good when he still played that Callum Guy role, and what could sort of explain the Vela move was that maybe Carlo weren't expecting someone like Neil to become available. Obviously, he returned mm. to, to Sheffield from his loan spell at Stevenage. And then they just thought, right, this is a very good player. We've got to pounce on him now. And we can still do this Vela deal if we want to. Yeah. So that would sort of explain why um, they were looking at him around the time that they were. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one that's going to add more experience. And the main words that have been coming out of Simo and, and the like have been leadership with him. Yes. Obviously, he's captain of Fleetwood. Yeah. But also just that League One experience of, you know... Um, the level that's required to, to play in this league. And, and as we've said there, discipline might be an issue here because he's got 13 bookings already this season and only one of them wasn't in the league. So 12 bookings in the league. If you get to 15 bookings, you get a free game ban. So how is he accrued that? Isn't it? It's <laughs> amazing. Like, oh, every other game almost he gets booked, it, it, which is quite remarkable. I think he actually missed the game against us on Boxing Day because he was suspended. Yeah, because I didn't remember him playing against us because I was trying no, to think, oh, what was he like? Um, because I think the standout uh, midfielders from that game were probably Wiradu, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think some fans might have preferred. Um, because he's I've just seen a lot signed of, a new deal, hasn't he? With them, yeah, so he's I just signed a new deal. Likely. Well, I think um, some fleet. I think it's been a bit of a mixed reaction from Fleetwood fans. Some have been very surprised, mm. whereas others have been like, "We're not too bothered," um, which could be quite telling. We'll see how things go. But yeah. the disciplinary record, as you said, is a an odd one. It's not one that I've seen. For a I mean, long time. I'm looking at it. He picked up 10 bookings by the start of November. So he's actually only picked up three in the period since then. So oh, right. maybe not quite as bad. But either way, if he picks up another three, he basically will be banned for three games for us. So mm-hmm. definitely one to keep an eye on at the, <laughs> at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Josh Vella, that's that one covered. He goes straight into the squad for this weekend. I'd imagine, I'd imagine he's going to start. I'd be amazed if he didn't, to be honest. I think he will on too. One thing I think it will be is, well, obviously Diamond's, is just alone, but like you said, with his contract potentially expiring, that's one that Carlo could look to pounce on. It, it it's a pessimistic way of looking at things, but you know, signing some. I know Vela's in his thirties now, but signing someone of his League One experience, if you know the worst was to happen, we are relegated. It's still a very good player to have to go down yeah. in preparation yeah, to potentially absolutely. go back up, which I know a lot of the questions or at least some of the questions we've had uh, have related yeah. to such. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get on to those questions, and this this will kind of sort of bleed into the questions a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about the other bit of news that came out today. Um, in fact, no, before that, actually, so point out that Cheltenham game is being rearranged, I think it's Tuesday the 9th of April. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's been that late. I thought they would have tried to fit. Normally, you have to fit it in within six weeks. So it's, a, it's an odd one, yeah. that one. Really, well, it? I saw someone who was just buying tickets and happened to notice the other day yeah. that it was... You could get tickets for it yeah. then, which I thought was strange of the club to put it on the website, mm. available to buy and not announce it. Maybe it had to be agreed or something like that. But anyways, we'll move yeah. on. 
Yes, there you go. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about Owen Moxon then. Um, so this is the news that came out via Simo's pre-game press conference earlier today, that Owen Moxon has turned down the contract he's been offered, which Simo has himself described as the best contract he's seen, he, if we should say, yeah, specifically, has seen offered to a Carlo player in his time as boss. That's it, over both spells. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the reactions to this? Because I, I, I think the reaction has been quite interesting. A lot of some fans are saying, let him rot in the reserves. Oh, he doesn't care. I'll be honest with you. And I, I was chatting with someone else about this, someone who listens to the pod as well. And I agree with them on this. Owen Moxon doesn't owe us a living. No. <laughs> he's a 26-year-old. He's, he's coming to the professional game very late. And midfielders had two, well, one really good season and half a, an okay season. And his, his stock is still quite high. He doesn't really want to be playing at a League Two club next season. So, and he's probably only got maybe two big moves left in his career. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand why he's hedging his bets on this one. I, 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 you might have a different thought on this, but I'm, the, no, the way you recognize no, no. it's just you're probably not. I think people forget, and I did see someone tweet about this, and I can't remember who, but I'm sure if, if they're listening, they'll know who they are. And it was something about people just in general life will move about the country and change jobs Mm -hmm. and things like that for the benefit of them and their family and their circumstances. But for some reason with footballers, we expect it to be different. Obviously there's the added fact that this is where he's from. um, And you know, all of his, his his friends and things like that are from here, which maybe people expected a a bit more loyalty, but at the end of the day, it's one of the shortest careers you can have. And he does need to maximize it. The people who are saying he should like rot in the reserves and things like that. I just think, We've seen before players, I think this has happened with Gibson this year because he's into the final year of his deal, who really turn it up for the final year of the contracts because they want to get paid big going into the next one. So if he's putting that pressure on himself, it could end up producing a better version of Owen Moxon because he he now has to to perform because otherwise he's probably going to end up coming back to the table with Carlisle and getting a lesser deal in the summer. He's not going to get that deal again in the summer, mm. especially if we get relegated. So yeah. he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and it could really lead to him becoming a, a better version of himself than he has been this year. It will be interesting to see how Simo sort of deals with this situation, whether he does play him still or whether he sort of shuns him for, for turning down the deal. Um, but to be, I think my ideal situation for this is if Carl can make money off of him in January, then they should. Because I think now we have the reinforcements to, if we lose him, especially the way he's not been playing at his absolute peak this year, it won't be too much for loss. And if you can make some money off of him, even though we've just got new owners, you have to be able to, or have to at least consider taking that chance. For me, it's got to be a silly offer. If he goes, I think you you, put, you probably still need to be offered more than even what Blackpool offered. Maybe I'm not talking about the amount we were asking for, which you know was nine hundred grand, or whatever it was. But I'm saying I don't think I'd even take a quarter of a million for him. I don't. I don't. I, I think I still think he's a bit got a big part to play. I think he can really. I, I wouldn't be surprised if your midfield at the weekend is Neil Vella and Moxon. I wouldn't either. Keep it tight. I, I I I think he might well do that. And, you know. That, that's three very combative midfielders you can put a tackle in who mm-hmm. are big and physical and that that could that could be really a, a big part of the rest of the season. Um it, it kind of it brings I'll bring us on to some of the questions now. So obviously we we basically asked some listener questions. We'll start with the Owen Moxon ones in a sec. So essentially obviously because we haven't got a Cheltenham game to to review, I thought, well let's put it out to the listeners. We do this every now and then when when we've got a, a first half of the show with nothing to cover. So um 
all I did is I put the questions out to you and you came back and you drove. And obviously Owen Moxon was a hot topic this afternoon. So there's been a few questions about him. So let's start with some of those. Um, uh, the true face of evil. That's a, that's a lovely uh, name for, for Twitter. Uh, he says, if Owen Moxon doesn't want to sign a new deal, do you agree we should drop him from the bench to the bench and play folk who only want to be part of the team? Uh, I think probably from what I've said there, I'd say no. I don't. I think you cut your nose off in spite of your face there for for no reason. I, this idea that he doesn't want to be part of the team, he still wants to be part of the team. At the end of the season, he's just exercising his rights, which he's got every right to do. You know, players do that. I'm pretty sure Simo's done that at some point in his career as well. Simo will know that. You know. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've taken advantage of players doing that at other clubs, you know, in the past. So, you know, th- th- there's nothing wrong with that. I disagree. I've, I think, I don't think we've got anyone who's good enough quality to really replace him at the moment at the same level. That's the problem. right? Yeah. Now. In terms of like the just pure ability to that he has to spray the ball about the park and find passes that other people can't. No, I, I don't think uh, there's anyone in the team who's got that uh, yeah. sort of skill set. But would it be a, a massive, just with the way he's been playing, I think it wouldn't hurt us too badly. I might be proven wrong about this. I do expect him to be involved in the team, at least in, in yeah. the short term, uh, until maybe things sort of settle down and uh, Simo starts to maybe potentially think about the future and what he can do moving forward. Um, but no, to just sort of completely disregard him and say that he's, he's not wanting to play for the team, I think is just... People being overreactive, over emotional. Um, yeah, you've got to actually think about the fact that this is someone's living. Like yeah. it's not just you know he's not just doing this as a hobby. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anthony Rea uh, did ask, uh, "Will Owen Moxon sign a deal if we stay up?" Um, to be honest, I'm not convinced he will. Either way, I think I think he's probably. Yeah, I think he'd been he's probably got offers from some good clubs, and I think he's. I think he knows what he's potentially well, going for. Him. Yeah, from what I from things that I've heard I think and I think we'd all expect this anyway if we were in his situation he'd probably in the absolute best case scenario want to stay in Carlisle but it's a bit sort of a bit like Morgan Feeney I know that he had less ties to Carlisle in terms of you know family mm-hmm. and things like that if he feels there's a better offer out there for him then he's probably going to take it and he's well within his rights to do that yeah uh, Luke Wilmot actually asked us a question about Moxon slightly different and I quite I quite like this one. He said, might be too late, but with a select few turning on Moxon, is he the best centre mid slash player we've had since Simo's first spell? If not, who is? Um, and he says, best player for me was Bridges. Can't think of many better centre mid I've seen in a blue shirt at BP. Uh, to be fair, I don't know, Bridges really was a centre midfielder. Maybe. I no, I didn't think so. No, I mean, I know my memory, or not, I don't have any memories of Bridges playing, at least that I can think of. Um, but I don't remember him as centre mid. No. So if if it wasn't Moxon as the best centre mid since Simmer's first spell, who would who would you go for in the, the time that you've been watching? Uh, I don't know because he, he obviously like recency bias plays into this heavily. Yeah, and he was brilliant last season. Um, but I think just because I've not been at least living through. Uh, or living memory of times where we've been as good as we were last year. That's probably what's putting him up in my estimation. But, you know, we've, we've had people, it wasn't a natural sentiment, but we've had people like Callum O'Hare, who was obviously very good mm. when he was with us. Um, Jack Sowerby was very good when he was yeah. with us. Obviously, these are more recent. Um, I'm thinking less of the people 
who were in sort of the 2000s era, just because I don't know it as well. But I think the season that he had, at least from my memory, was the best that I've seen as a Carlisle fan. I mean, Jamie Devitt as well, you can throw him in there. Yeah. You know, when, when he's at his peak, you know, he was a player that, you know, would cause problems for most teams. And in terms of his quality of shots from distance and stuff like that, he, he definitely is in with a shout. I think I agree with you. Like in terms of what he did in that season, he was fantastic. Uh, Moxon definitely. And, definitely and we need to remember that. We need to remember just how good he was and the massive part he's played in us getting to this position. No, absolutely. 100% on that. Um, right. Let's go on to a few more of the other questions now. Um, I got from the top here. I, there's a few silly ones in here and I will throw them in just because they're, they're quite They're fun. good though. They're good. So this, so uh, Ross uh, Parkinson uh, of uh, the Kiosk board, uh, he asked me a question here. Would you rather have the Piatics, but bring in Holdsworth as director of football or have the custodians and no Holdsworth? Um, Piatics any day of the week, just for the investment. And yeah. Honest, you, could, you could bomb off Holdsworth after a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with that one. Either, uh, <laughs> a broken clock's right twice a day. So yeah. with that much resource, he'd have to hit on something eventually. Yeah. I mean, like he's so. no person is that incompetent. I think so, well, some people might disagree with me on that, but <laughs> yeah. surely. Yeah. Another one of these sort of comparison questions, this is from the guys from uh, Be Just Unfair, not the admins from the, that forum. They've said, uh, which would you rather have? Go back to League Two next season with the current management setup and owners or beat the drop and stay in League One, but with the previous owners and your choice of Millen, Beach, Presley, Sheridan or Curl as manager? I mean, I, I'd have League Two. Yeah, I'd have League Two because I think we've more or less said that if we go down, we're going to be in a much better position to come back up anyway. So yeah, I, I don't. There's there's a huge amount of debate. On that well, the, if we were to be in League One with you know one of those managers in the pre previous ownership, there would be very very little chance that one would stay in League One long term. And if we did go down to League Two, there's more of a chance we'd probably end up in the National League. Whereas with current owners. Obviously, people maybe argue the manager currently, will he be fit to take us back up? We'll obviously see on that one if, if it were to happen. Um, but we'd have a, such a better chance of it. Like, it's it's almost incomparable for me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh, there's a good question from Regan. I'm going to leave that till the end. I think that's, that's a good that's a, that's That is a good one. one. Um, so, I mean, the, the, there's a few questions along this, these lines. Um, Tim Martland had asked us, where will United be in three seasons time, 26-27? What does the club look like then? Who will be the current player who has gained hero status in the meantime? But there's another similar question to that a bit further down, I think. I'm just going to try and find it. Uh, it was about five seasons time, I think it was. Um, yeah, you've left me in the mud uh, this running order. This is all over the place oh, compared it's, it's all, to where I, you I, I Normally it's good, but I cut and pasted them rather, like they screenshotted them rather than actually doing the things. I mean, there was another one about um, where we I saw one that was like about 2029 or something like that. I'll try and find it in the replies. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try and find it. No, so here we are. It, fish... Fish Island Blue said it's year 2029. We're five years into Piatic ownership. What does Cali United look like now? So we'll sort of combine those two questions a little bit here. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see a team where maybe we're challenging, at the very least, challenging for a place in the championship. We're the top end, sort of like almost like Peter United, sort of almost bouncing between the championship and League One. This 26 27 season. You say I'm going or... to 2029. I'm going to give a little bit more time. I'm going to give right. us five years rather than the, the three because I think I don't know how much can happen in three years in a similar way. So right. if we go the five years, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I'd like to see us have this brand new modern training ground done. Yes. I'd like to see, like, 
three or four players consistently in the match day squad who've come through the academy. Yeah, you know, you know, potentially they're going to make us money. Um, and I don't know. Maybe maybe by then Simmer will be director of football, and Danny Granger will be in charge, leading <laughs> us into the the championship. I don't know, but yeah, it, it, just the progress to continue as much as anything. That's it's a bit of a boring answer, but that, that that's what I'd say. I think the main thing that will really help long term is the two things you mentioned in terms of the training ground, and probably hence the improvement of the quality of the academy because they're so vital for clubs in our position to be able to rise up the ranks. If you're getting consistently good players through your academy, not only are you getting good players to use in the squad, yeah. but obviously then you get the sell-ons and the sell-on fees percentages that come from that, which just it just all helps so much. I mean, obviously the new owners aren't cash short, but it certainly yeah. helps. Yeah, and I'd like to see as that academy to be at Category 2 status maybe by then, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Because obviously we're Category 3 at the moment, which is the, you know... The lowest you can get before you get to the point where you pretty much don't have an academy. Yeah. So it'd be nice to be like producing that better level of players, and the training ground will help massively with that. I'd hope. Um, right. Let's go back through to the questions. Um, do you think Simo will be around the club in various roles until he decides otherwise? That's uh, Aldi Disco Panther said that one. I think there was a couple more questions in terms of uh, Simo's you know future. What, what what happens with that? What's your thoughts on that one? Um, I think now that he's made the move to come back to Carlisle, he'll probably stay here. Whether he stays involved in the football club after being a manager, because I know when he came back, he talked about sort of that, you know, being sort of sat watching football. He missed that feeling, almost that mm-hmm. stress of being a football manager. Um, I don't think, you know, being a director of football as such would be um, the same for him. But... Mm-hmm. I could certainly see him being in some sort of advisory role as he uh, comes or passes the end of his managerial um, life. But yeah, I think he'll always have some involvement in the club just because of his undoubted link that he has to the club and the that link will forever be etched into this club. There's no way you can't think of Paul Simpson without thinking about Carl United. So it'll always have some sort of association for me, we hope at least. Um, but whether that'll be an official one or more of a sort of uh, a figure, what is yet to be seen for me. Yeah. There's a few questions here in terms of what happens if they're potentially going down and that kind of thing. And, you know, in terms of Simo's future, but also whether we could come back up. So I'll ask a few of those sort of at once and we'll sort of try and cover them in, in one go. Uh, Jim Gaffney, uh, he says, presuming we go down, if we aren't in the top six of League Two by Christmas, do you think Simo should step aside slash move upstairs? Um, what's another one there? Adam, uh, Adam underscore CFC7 says, say we do get relegated, how do you fancy our chances next season in League Two? And I think there was one more question about League Two that I'm trying to dig out. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of... Basically, along similar lines, aren't they? That basically, how do, how do you think we would potentially do yeah. it, and, and what would happen possibly down there? I saw that was one that was linked to that, and also to the sort of the would you rather ones, which is about would you, if you knew Sakin Simo would guarantee safety, yeah, would you? And I, I don't know about you, but I was like, well, well, no. yes. Oh, really? I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, my personal opinion is. I, I think we need to be a bit more long term about this. I, I, I can get why some people will think that, but my feeling is. I don't mind as go- maybe I'll be a bit longer in the tooth. I don't mind us going down for one season if 
we're going to build to be a better club to come back up and actually have a real good go in League One next time. Because I do wonder almost staying up, we still have that thing of like, oh, they struggled last season in, in League One. Do I really want to go there? Even with the money we're going to be putting into it. But if you go down to League Two, and you know you've got this good squad already and you've actually had a bit of momentum towards the end of the season and maybe you've just missed out and you get off to a good start, you can potentially build a really good squad there. And if you went up top three this time, you only have to look at how Stevenage, Northampton and um, Lane Orient actually doing this yeah. season. They're actually doing all right in the end. All, so, I think they're all in the top half at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I don't think I'd want to take that risk. Mm. I think even if we were to just scrape it, because the thing they complained about in the summer was the we had the players we wanted to get, but we just didn't have the finances to get them, which is the sort of opposite of what's happening now in January. Um, so I think that problem would be solved because we have the new ownership. I think we would still be able to recruit um, players and you know we could obviously pitch this idea of, look where the club's going, all these changes we're making, be part of this journey. So I just wouldn't want to take the risk personally. With that one though as well, let's say you did bomb off some out and it guaranteed you stayed up, but the kind of manager who's going to guarantee you stay up is the kind of manager who's probably a bit of a firefighter. Well, I and wasn't then, thinking about that. I was just thinking if you sack Simo, yeah. it, it's, it's, you guarantee staying up. I wasn't, thinking, logistic, I wasn't thinking logistically about <laughs> it. it. It's a hypothetical question and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a logistical spanner into the middle of it and saying the kind of manager who's going to keep you up is probably going to be a firefighter. He's probably not going to want just a six-month deal. He's probably going to want an 18-month deal to stay. You're then stuck with a Steve Cotterell-esque. I know he's gone to Forest Green, so you wouldn't get him. A Steve Cotterell-esque manager. And you're like, all right, okay, he's kept us up. But we're now stuck with him and he's got a particular way he wants to play and you're going to have to... So that, that that's where I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think as much longer, but I do I do get the point of like going down would be for, so frustrated having got back up here. But we're in probably the best position we possibly ever could be in terms of trying to get ourselves back up, especially when you look at the clubs that are potentially coming up from... From League Two, that sort of brings on nicely. That how would we do if we went down to League Two? I think you can never tell, but I suspect League Two is not going to be as challenging next season as it has been in the last two seasons. No. Especially when you look at the likes of Wrexham and Stockport, look pretty much nailed on to go up. Mm-hmm. Mansfield as well, and Notts County. You'd imagine probably them too, possibly going up. MK Dons only- too. Yeah, exactly. The only frustrating thing would be if Barrow went up. That would be like, oh, right, that would yeah. be another kick in the teeth. But that's, that's, that can happen in football. You have to deal with it, don't well, you? Well, so. I'll pose a question that sort of interlinks the two then. Go on. Would you sack Simo if it were to one guarantee Carlo would stay up, but it would also mean that Barrow didn't get promoted? I'm not that fussed on Barrow, so I'm, oh, I'm fine right. with that. I, I, I'm quite happy to let that happen, whatever way. <laughs> I don't, I don't that fussed. It'd be frustrating, but it doesn't bother me that much. But there you go. Um, right, let's get back to the questions. Here's one from Jack Oddy. Hello, boys. With our new signings, who do you think any of our existing squad members will pleasantly surprise us and flourish around better players? And if so, who? That's a good question, that one. And I kind of feel like, for certainly, Owen Moxon's probably the player That's I would what I was going to suggest, yeah. It's going to look better with Harrison Neal and Josh Vella alongside him in midfield. They're going to do a lot of the donkey work. And he's going to be... Yeah, Moxon still will do a lot of the hard work, but he'll have a bit more freedom, hopefully, to get about the pitch a bit, a bit well, That's just the sort of player he is, because he's come from that non-professional background. So he's always yeah. just going to get stuck into things. It's just the way he's built. Um but yeah, that's the player that I immediately thought of when I saw that question. I was trying to think of other players who sort of fringe players who could benefit. I just don't think any of them have the... I don't think any of the fringe players really have that 
undiscovered quality to be able to yeah. be lifted. I think it's more the players who are maybe underperforming that are going to get lifted by it. I feel like the defence are going to benefit from Harry Lewis at the back because I think he's, he's someone who can sweep up a lot better behind so they'll have a lot more cover in terms of when the balls go over the top. I think as well he gets the ball distributed quite quickly and, and getting the ball out to the likes of Mellish a lot sooner is going to really help us in terms of starting attacks. And up front, I think anyone who plays alongside Luke Armstrong is going to benefit massively because I think he's just, because the amount of work he puts in and, mm. and, and his qualities. So. I think the same could be said about Jack Diamond too. Yeah, definitely. Once once he gets in the team, I think that could really make a big difference. Well, from what Simo was saying, it sounds like he could be, maybe not straight into the starting eleven, but at least in the, the squad. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the bench at the weekend. Um, let's, um, another one in terms of actual action this season. Craig Mattinson asked this question. It's a really good question, actually. Uh, thoughts on this season's set pieces and the lack of variation? It's something we have mentioned a couple of times on the pod mm-hmm. this season. It's, it's been quite frustrating when you see how good we were at set pieces. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Adam? For me, I think we've missed, we probably have missed Morgan Feeney a bit because he was a, a nuisance and he was a big physical yeah. player who would, would get a good run onto the ball. And, and Lavelle's been great for this season, but he's not been quite the same level in terms of that sort of stuff. Well, I also think it's just a different level of opponent too. They're just yeah. smarter. The coaches are smarter. They know how to better prepare for these things. Whereas, um, you know, having that battering ram of Morgan Feeney is probably going to be more effective in League Two than it is going to be in League One. So I think that's part of it. Um, I also think just sort of there's not been a consistent, like we knew last year that Mox was going to take pretty much every set piece and most of them were going to be at least decent. On the money, yeah. Um, whereas this year there's been a bit of inconsistency. You know, it was Mox and then... Like, I think Calendar. Guy took a few, and then Arms taken, so and then Gibson and Robinson. So there's just there's not been a consistency with it, which I think with set pieces is something you really need because if you're going to be working on them, you need to know who's going to be taking them. And if that's changing every month, then that just scuppers the plans a bit. Um, but I think it's a good point. Yeah, I think Rob- Robinson's set piece have looked really good since he's come into the team, actually. But the problem there is. Can you guarantee he's going to start? Because him and Armour are, are, are pretty close in terms of who's likely to start games. So mm-hmm. at that point, you have to think, okay, can you rely on him to be able to start games? I mean, we haven't really used Taylor Charters taking in this season, and some of his set pieces were excellent last season mm-hmm. in the period when he's in the team. So you wonder if that's an option. So I don't know what some of the new lads have come in in terms of what they're like with the set pieces. So maybe they'll be quite good at them. I'm not sure. Um, in terms of Diamond, what he's good at for that. So yeah, it, it, I. I I think there's a little bit of debate as well over whether losing Paul Gerrard's made a bit of a difference then. You know, Dave Timmons, I'm sure, has got his own qualities, but is he good at organising set pieces? Maybe not quite as good as as, as Gerrard was on that, yeah. on that side of things. Maybe maybe that's part of it. I think there's probably a multitude of reasons that we've covered that all uh, boil into it, but it's plain to see that we've not been up to standards when it comes to set pieces this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in terms of, uh, of a bit here, Blue Army blog, uh, check them out if you haven't. Uh, really good blog, read some good stuff there. Uh, which player in our current squad has the most potential to play at Championship and slash our Premier League level? Well, the immediate reaction to that would be Diamond, since he's just signing these, but he plays for Championship yeah. Club and he's, uh, if he gets back to you know the levels that he was showing, he could end up playing for mm-hmm. that club pretty consistently. Um, in terms of players that are currently signed permanently first one that springs to mind Harrison Neal just the age profile mm. and the the signs that have have been shown since he's come to Carlisle lend itself towards 
more of a championship player than I don't think anyone in our squad is Premier League level or at least showing that talent. Um, yeah. But yeah, Harrison Hill looks to me like he could play as a decent championship midfielder as he gets older. Yeah, I'd second that. I think I entirely agree. I think he probably is the player who's most likely to. And to be honest, we've sort of avoided, but I think Owen Moxon could play in the championship. I know people will say he's not done as well this season, but I still think he's got the ability to play that level. I'd be amazed if it wasn't a championship club that came in for him at the summer. Maybe even one of the League One clubs who are going up to the championship that potentially come to sign him. I, I, people were saying this last year about him. Obviously, he was brilliant last year, but I was yeah. just saying, like, right, just hold your horses a bit. He's been brilliant for this one season, and I don't think he he's a one season wonder. I, I don't think that's the case. But you know, we've seen the jump that it takes to go from League Two to League One. It's not as big of a jump going to Championship, but it is a different level. Yeah, um, and he's not been at his best this season, so I, I don't think I'd be able to make that assumption that he'd be able to work in a Championship mm-hmm. team, especially not as a starter. No. Uh, Tiki Addict, um, he actually asked the question you mentioned there about would you sack Simo if he guaranteed would stay up. But actually, another question, he asked three questions, but a little bit greedy there, but we'll ask all three because they're good questions, to be fair. Uh, his second question he actually asked was, if our squad had stayed fully fit, what position do you think we'd be in now? I'll be honest, I think we're probably maybe about four or five places higher, max. And I still think it would have well, been uh, tough either way, really. Yeah, obviously the two major misses have been Guy and Coyote. Yeah. Um you can argue about which one would have been which one would have been better um in terms of coming back into the squad. Yeah, I still think we'd be sort of just above a relegation battle at best. I just don't mm. think the general squad uh is that level where we'd be able to sort of be a comfortable league one squad. Yeah. Um because obviously there are two major injuries, but at the end of the day, it's yeah. just the two of them. It's not like half our squad's been out for months on end. Um, so, yeah. We said before that the guy injury was a big blow because the, the results got worse in terms of, you know, scoreline and stuff after he mm-hmm. got injured. And yeah. with Coyote, we've never really had a target man until Armstrong came in. So, Garner's been able to do the job when, you know, he's 35, what now, isn't he? Something like that. So, you don't really want him playing every single week anyway. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think Finn Back being out injured as well has been a bit of a blow. I think, I think, yeah, if we could have got him fit, he could have made a big difference in terms of offering us something down the right as well. But obviously, that's not been the case, sadly. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we'd, I think we'd be a little bit higher than we are now, but not massively higher. I think you may be looking at roundabout where you like, if you, you Cambridge are and, and, and you know teams like that, mm-hmm. teetering just above the relegation zone, but in a better position to. To potentially kick on. I'll come back to Ticket Addict's other question um in a in a little bit. Um looking through some of the other questions that people have asked. Um looking through these. I mean a lot of t- stuff in terms of transfer questions and stuff like that. So maybe we'll cover some of them in a sec. There's um, one from my from my brother asking about predicted lineups or formation changes with the addition of diamonds, how that'll affect things. Well, shall we should we cover that one off in the preview section actually as well? Because I yeah. think there, there, there is plenty, there is actually quite a bit of debate to have yeah. over that this week. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Audience retention. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Um, well, let's move on then to some of the terms of transfers and stuff like that that people are asking. Tom Harrison, if you could make one more signing this window, who would it be? I don't know if he's talking about a specific player or a specific position here. I think a striker definitely. I'd like to see another striker added to the squad, especially with. Uh, Ryan Edmondson having left the club um, mm-hmm. 
So, what sort of profile? Yeah. Maybe not. Obviously, if you had a specific player in mind, then uh, obviously mention it. Um, but what sort of profile of striker? Because I think with Coyote coming back, I think the sort of target man section is locked off. I'd like a maybe a sort of tricky little striker, maybe got a little bit of pace. I mean, someone like he's been linked with someone like a Jack Marriott, maybe. You know, he's he's consistent goal scorer at this level. Mm-hmm. He's, he's scored goals for fun at this level for years. Scored goals for fun at championship level as well, you know, Derby and comes like that. So yeah, that's that's probably the kind of player I would like to see us sign. You know, obviously we've got a bit more budget in terms of wages now, so we could potentially go for a player like that. So yeah, Jack Marriott. Jake Young's obviously one who's been linked. I'm not quite as convinced. I, I have a real worry with Jake Young that he's a half-season wonder, somebody who's had that brilliant half-season, flashing a pan. Yeah. And he'd come to us and he would maybe score seven goals in like 40 appearances or something like, and you'd be like, okay, maybe splash a load of money on a player. He's not That's quite the thing. There. It's the price tag with him. Yeah. It's not like with, um, you know, you've got to find that balance between mm-hmm. risk and reward. Like at least with Marriott, there's experience in this level. He's been scoring goals this year. Yeah. I think he's got five this year or something like yeah. that. Um, and with with loan moves, sometimes things just click, and then you come, even when they come back to the parent club, it's just not the same. Who was it? Who was that? Well, Paddy Madden for us, yeah, an example, isn't it? Well, there was and, a, and he just wanted to go because he knew it's not going to work at Carlisle. I want to go back to Yeovil. So. Yeah, and there was a someone who was on loan at Leighton Orient or, or one of the or some top team in League Two last yeah. season who, or maybe he was on loan from Walsall too late in Orient and then got recalled. Uh, oh, it was, um, no, it was, it was Lado, it was, um, it was, uh, was it Mansfield? What do you call him? Danny Johnson. Yes, Danny Johnson. got recalled, yeah. Yeah, he was like smashing it and I don't think he's been lighting the world up since he's um, no. returned to his parent club. So yeah, I, I don't know how much they're asking for, but if it's anywhere sort of around... Um, the suggestion was half a million, wasn't it? Yeah, if it's four or five hundred thousand, that's just not on. There's, there's no point paying that price when you could probably, you know, just blow some other teams out of the water to try and get in a loanee and be like, right, we'll just cover all their wages and, or something. And at the end of the day, he can't play for Bradford because the second he plays for Bradford, they can't sell him because mm-hmm. he's played for two clubs in a season. So well, he's, that's he's the reason. Back in, um, he's back he's in the training squat. for them now. Is he? Well, yeah. I mean, I showed. I love the fact that they showed a video of him arriving for their game the other <laughs> yeah. night. Their fans getting excited, and then he wasn't even named in the match day squad. Is like that's that's trolling on the highest level. That to be fair, but there you go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think we're sort of in agreement. A striker is probably the, the one player we probably definitely need now. I think we're pretty much covered off in a, a lot of other areas. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah, um, I think everywhere else is probably probably yeah. locked down. I mean, Fish Island Blues did actually ask as well. I'm, I'm not going to ask too many more of his questions because he's asked a few. Um, who would your dream purchases be if we stay in League One or go down to League Two? So next season, who would your dream purchase be if we were in League One and who would uh, be in League, League One? Just trying to think of players who are um well actually this sort of links to it, uh with the news that Owen Moxon could be leaving in the summer, is at least gonna run out his contract mm-hmm. and see what his options are. I'm gonna be doing a piece for, for Football League World about four potential replacements mm-hmm. uh, for him. But I will drop a little hint as to one of the people that I've been thinking about and I've actually talked about him in, in previous threads and things like that. And that's, um, I think it's Arthur Reed. I think his first name's mm-hmm. Arthur from Colchester yes. Centre Mids. Yes, he was at, he was at um, Stevenage last yeah. season, season four, yeah. yeah? Yeah. 
that's one player that I think even if we were to come down to League Two and just want to be like, right, we're just going to poach one of the really good players from one of the lower teams or if we were to stay in League One, I think he'd be able to work at that level too. So, yeah, he'd probably be up there. But Harv's, my brother's mate, Harv, his mate Seb, um, is a Colchester fan and he's going to hate that. <laughs> um, if we're in League One, I think I'd like to see a sign Wurdu, funny enough, from, from Fleetwood. I think he'd be a fantastic signing. Mm. Exactly the kind of midfielder we need. Um, if we're in League Two, I'm going to put a left field one out there. And I know people hate throwing former players' names out there. I wouldn't mind Aaron Hayden brought back, you know. Scores a lot of goals from set pieces, big, strong defender. He's not really playing much of Wrexham. And I thought you were going to say Cole there. Stockton when you oh, said oh, former oh, player. Not, not a chance, but that's just a just left field name out there because I think we might need a centre-back or two. I think that's not a bad suggestion. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Getting him away from that Wrexham wage packet is going to be a tough ordeal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that will be a challenge. I'm not sure how long he's got left on his deal. Then. Neither. He might still have a couple of years. So, But there you go. That's that's just throwing a name out there, definitely. Um, I'm pretty sure we had a question somewhere about in terms of players going out as well. Who, yeah, it's from, um, where is it? It's from Luke. I know Luke. Luke Graham. Yes. Do you think there will be any shocks on the retained released list yeah. coming the end of the season? I assume that's the one you're on about. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, do I think there are any shocks? I, I, I kind of feel like... I, I feel like Gibson might go. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just have a feeling like he might try his, his luck as well somewhere else. I think Moxon and Gibson will probably both go. Mm-hmm. In terms of other ones, I mean, I was looking through the list and with, with a mate the other day and... I, I didn't really want to keep that many, to be, to be really no. honest, in the nicest way possible. Not that they're bad lads or anything, I just thought... It's a chance for a fresh start for us here, possibly. Yeah. So I don't think there'll be any uh, any shocks with that sort of thing. Um, the only one that could be, oh, even this wouldn't be too left field, would be if Paul Huntington were to decide that his time as a footballer was up. Um, yeah. I don't know how long he's got. I think he's got, is it into his final year of his deal now? I can't remember. Um, it's even, well, he's surely not. No, I've got I think he has two got, years. But he has. I'm sure he's got a, a potential trigger if he makes so many appearances. Right. And, okay. To be honest, I won't be surprised if he played a lot of games towards the end of the season because he's yeah. If he stays he's shown fit, out is... while he played against Barnsley, yeah, that's that's the key thing, isn't it? You know, if he can stay fit and that break between the Barnsley game and this weekend is probably going to help a little bit. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Yeah. Just. I mean, looking through the list here of the players who are out of contract, are they basically going in? In the some of this includes loanees. You've got Holy Emmanuel, Whelan, Green. Moxon, Garner, Maguire, Gibson, Edmondson, obviously he's now gone. Uh, Back, Anderson, Ablade, Coyote, Ellis, New, Killsby, and Nugent. Yeah, I don't think that diamond's that list now. That diamond there as well, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't envisage any massive surprises in there. I think, well, Kai's got an so, option. I'm pretty sure Kai's got an option in his contract yeah. to extend. I, I, um, I, I, I think with, with, with the expanded size squad that Sim is going to want in the future, I think all three of those young players will stay. Ellis kills me in the agent. I think he'll want to keep them just, yeah. just to give them more time to develop this. Well, Killsby's not in. Killsby's not in. Uh, got an option in his contract, and no. Simo was saying today about the clubs had been inquiring about him, and it's not really something that's done. Like even when we loaned him out, like the reason why some clubs are hesitant to loan out, like when Coyote got loaned to us, why Rotherham didn't want to loan him initially because he had one year left on his deal yeah. and he didn't obviously want to come back and him go immediately yeah. out as a free agent. So 
I do wonder if that's what Simo's thinking there, maybe about why he's holding off on sending Killsgaard at the moment, thinking, see how he does, and if he's done well enough, right, we'll give him you a new deal, and then we'll send you back out on loan, and kills people like him. I think that's what they've got to do, otherwise obviously risk losing him in the the summer. Yeah, but yeah, to be honest, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised, looking at those out of contract, if actually Ellis, Killsby and Nugent are the only three who get new deals, to be honest. Maguire's not really done enough to set the world on fire. Garner, again, is coming towards the end of his career a little bit. I, don't, I can't remember if Garner might have an option as well. I can't remember that one. I doubt but, it. Um, I think it was just an 18-month deal when yeah, he signed. If I remember right, I think you might be right on that one. Um, yeah, and obviously, like like I said, Whelan's probably going to go. Emmanuel, 50-50 on that one, to be honest. And Holy's probably going to depart, you'd imagine. So, yeah, I, yeah, think I don't think there'll be massive... I, don't think be, I think that maybe the only surprise to be might be that actually barely any of them get deals. Yeah, we're just being honest. Or if uh, some of them get kept on, that could be some of the surprises. Yeah, yeah possibly, possibly. Um, right, uh, let's have a look through here. Um, Temps has said ten points adrift, but feeling good myself about the chance of staying up. Why do you think there is so many convinced it is a lost cause already? And uh, I asked as well, who is the best forward to play alongside Armstrong whilst Kaidi is injured? Um, Tackling the first one, I, I, I kind of I get what you mean. I think that I think a lot of people have been downbeat, but I think it's kind of masked by the takeover stuff, isn't it? I think a lot of people have been really positive about that, so it's, it's maybe not noticed as much. But there are a few more people getting a bit grumbly about it, which you can understand. And Simo re- recognizes that, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think basically the points gap is the problem. The ten points, as you say, there that that issue, it, 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 the double figures makes it look so much bigger now. Also, I think it. I think we definitely have the we're building a squad and should have the ability to be able to catch the likes of Cheltenham and Reading. It's being able it's being able to catch the likes of Exeter and anybody else who maybe falls into that uh, potential battle is what's concerning me. Like I just don't I don't see how they are going to become bad enough to allow us to really catch up with them quickly. So that's where my sort of worry comes from is it's not the fact of could we, you know, are we better than the current teams in the relegation zone? Because I think we will probably end up being better than them. It's the teams above the relegation zone. That might sound like an obvious statement, but that's what's concerned me. I don't see teams outside the relegation zone currently who are bad enough to drop down into the relegation zone. But there's, there's, it's very, very tight though, isn't it? That's the thing that it stands is. out. There's that four point gap from, from like about eight or nine places, isn't it? So it's, but that's that still 14 points between it us is. and them. It is. It is. That, that, that's a very good point. Um, right. Uh, a few more, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of those sort of piatic and takeover ones, related ones now quickly. Um, Cameron Allenby, uh, he says, if the piatics, Asked either of you both for a in- recommendation or an instant change to the stadium, hospitality or fan zone or whatever, and money was no problem, what would you like to see implemented? Uh, I'm going to pass it over to you because I'm not quite sure on this one. I saw it earlier and I was trying to have a think, but... Okay, if, if money's no object, um, I would ask them to buy all the houses on the front of Warwick Road and knock them down and build a, like an open concourse out to there and expand out the Warwick Road end a little bit. But it's going to be controversial. I normally am quite positive of this. Maybe knock down the Warwick Road end and rebuild it. Put the iconic roof into the new design if you, if you want. Um, 
but build something proper there, like a proper terrace there, like a safe standing one or whatever, so you could use it in the championship. Yeah. And 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 build like a proper almost put the fan zone there almost. You potentially could, you know, or something behind there. So I'd 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 basically look at how how could you redevelop the Warwick Road into something a, a bit better and and create the, the atmosphere in there that 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 the fans who make the noise in there deserve to, to be heard. Yeah. My suggestion was probably gonna be linked to that in terms of we saw um there's some pictures that somebody was walking past Brunton Park and the fan zone um, tents, whatever they are now, yeah. get blown over. Something more sort of permanent there. Yeah. Obviously, what's yeah. currently there is good, but uh, I think something, yeah, more um, just something more sort of official rather than just having sort of like tents out, having like marquees. Yeah. I think would be would be better. I think the fan improvement. Um, yeah. in terms of the experience for fans rather um, it's got so much better already yeah. like with the, the screens and all that sort of stuff getting people down earlier but yeah just something more permanent rather than something you can just put up and down yeah I I, I think they should go down and have a look at what Trammy Rovers are doing at theirs it looks fantastic they're building this probably mm-hmm. like domed sort of glass building almost and it looks really really cool so something like that would be fantastic but whether we've got the space at Brunton Park to do that I don't know there, there probably is some maybe you'll have to ask the rugby club if you yeah. can expand a little bit into their land possibly I don't know that might be a challenge but but there you go um right uh in, in terms of what else have we got here da, 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 da. I'm trying to do a couple more and then we'll we'll go into the uh the preview sections um do you want to do some of the the, the more ridiculous yeah. ones We'll do some of the uh, more ridiculous ones, but I'll ask a quick one here from Dan, who's Slim Chance Dan, Slim Chance Seven Dan on Twitter. Says, "Who's your favourite Cal United player currently and all-time favourite player?" My favourite current player is obviously anyone who listens to the pod knows is John Mellish. Yeah, that that goes without saying. We, I mentioned him enough times in every episode, but I, I do love Big John. All-time, that's such a challenging question, but I'd probably. Prob- Probably Dean Walling. I just love the man. I think he's brilliant. Like he, an absolute legend, and the fact that he still cares about the club so much. Hundred percent, Dean Walling, with honourable shouts to Michael Bridges and anyone else. I'd maybe put in there. Yeah, probably just those two. I'd, I'd mentioned really. Yours are going to be slightly different to mine because yeah. you're younger generation. But let, let's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got less uh, time to call on. Um, all time, the names that, like I said earlier, I've not been you know, alive for too many times where Carlisle have been very good. So it's more just sort of like moments players, players who've been um, good for somewhat extended periods. Uh, But the two that come to mind are Jerry Yates, just because he was unbelievably good. And I was just sort of at that age where I was start of properly, not properly getting to car because I've had a season ticket since I was like, five or six or something like that. But I just remember him being electric. Yeah, I I was understanding football a bit more. Um, And sort of around, well, a bit before then, uh, Jason Kennedy. Mm. Just just a a club legend might be a bit of a stretch in some people's eyes, but a memorable player. I think he's a bit of a cult hero, isn't he? Cult hero is probably a better way of describing it. He came in that lone smell and, you know, he he just had this unbelievable knack of being in the right place at the right time to get goals from midfield, wasn't he? I think it was also just the fact that he looked like just a bloke off the street, but he was incredibly good at football. He was just very relatable. Max Branning, didn't he, from from EastEnders, didn't he? A lot of people said. Um, What about your current one then? Oh, 
Mellish is quite a is a quite a, a, an obvious pick. I think there's just because there's been so much evolution in this squad. Um, mm. I'm trying to think for players from sort of last year carried over into this year. I do really like Callum Guy. I think Callum Guy's a wonderful footballer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, just sort of, I think people, even though despite the news today of him running down his contract, I, I'd still have to put mocks up there. One because. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends are very good friends of him. Um, so there's a little bit of a vague tie to him. Um, but also just because his family are so embedded within the club and his, you know, presence within the, the city has, has been just enigmatic over the last mm-hmm. year or so. Yeah, no, really good shout that. Um, just trying to look here. Uh, McKay's asked uh, apart from the changes we've already we're already aware of what is the main changes you'd like to see over the summer I think we sort of covered that a little bit already but I'd, I'd just like to see that that work in the East End get get done and just to be able to see fans watching from a box at the back of there mm-hmm. and, and the club making more money from stuff like that is going to be really good I think I took one look at those like plans and things like that and you know design uh, things like that in terms of like building layouts and planning permission, all that sort of stuff. I took one look at it and thought, I don't, there's no point in me trying to read this because I just, I don't fully yeah. understand what's going to happen here. Yeah. So I'll just sort of read John Coleman's articles and see what I can prize from them. Yeah. Um, before we go on to the silly questions, I will ask Tick Addict's last question because it sort of links a little bit into that. Uh, given how much has changed for the better under the new ownership already, does it just highlight how bad the our previous owners were? I'm going to play a little bit devil's advocate on this, and I know some people might not disagree. I don't think they were necessarily bad owners. I think were they they were overly cautious owners, and I think that's always going to be the biggest problem with them: the fact that they didn't have the money. That that's just the reality of it. Yeah. They, I know some will say, "Well, they did overspend because they had that debt," but what they did, they tried to give the manager the backing that the fans were demanding mm. at the time, and it backfired on us. Um, but generally. We've been a pretty well-run club. We've not really been in the same level of trouble as your likes of your Berries and your Boltons and, and whatnot. And yeah. I know some fans are like, hate that. For, oh, at least we're not Berry whatever. But to an extent, there's 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 a bit of truth in that. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think bad's probably the wrong way to put it just because that, you know, suggests that obviously, you know, they probably could have done more um, and should have done more, but, to say that they were, but I think they were just limited by limited. their own ambitions and their own wallets. Um, yeah. So there has, you have to cut them a little bit of slack for that. Yeah. I think people are just so sort of happy with the current situation mm-hmm. that look back on that and go, "Oh my god, what did we have to go through?" But like you said, it's a lot of better of a situation than a lot of fans out there have had to go through and are yeah. currently going through. Yeah, and you give them a credit for waiting until the right sort of person comes along to take over as mm-hmm. well, I suppose, in that sense. And and yeah, that doesn't mean they were perfect. You know, they, they certainly no, made a lot not. of mistakes along the way. You know, I, I still go back to 2012 that I feel like they should have given Abbott a bit of backing to kick on the following season after we just missed out on the playoffs. You didn't, and we went backwards from that point. So yeah, I do wonder with that. But yeah, generally, pretty good, uh, pretty good that we got the new owners. So yeah. Um, right. Some of the silly ones, uh, Lewis Ridley, what's the funniest thing you've heard shouted at a Carlisle match? Um, that was a good question. That one I'm trying to think. I've got one that's gone. That, that didn't, maybe not, um, 
one that was necessarily funny, but it was funny looking back on it. It was when we played Liverpool in the cup, mm-hmm. and it was when we went to penalties. And we, I can't remember who took the first and second penalty. I think it might have been Joyce who took the first penalty, uh, but I can't remember. But he, whoever it was, took the first penalty, missed, and then our second one stepped up, took it. The keeper really should have saved it for Liverpool, but mm-hmm. somehow managed to go in. I don't know who it is, but I'm pretty sure. I remember showing somebody this video and they knew who the person was, but some lad, it was a couple of rows in front of me, when when they, uh, when they we scored the penalty, just turns to the Liverpool fans and goes, way, f*** off. <laughs> Something as simple as that sometimes can be quite the, the most amusing point of it, can't it? It's, it's brilliant. Um, I'm going to pick three quick points out here. And one of them is me making a tit to myself, so they'll please be able to hear it. Um, two chants that I heard back in the day. Um, one was um, uh, there was a load. Of, I think it was at Chester away or something. There was a load of kids, and like you know, you always get the little kids gathering and stand next to where the away fans are. They're trying to give abuse, whatever. And I think someone started with the chant of "You're going home in a Fisher Price ambulance," which uh, amused me at the time. And there's another great one that the Talkie fans once sung at us. Obviously, Talkie being at the other end of the country and much nicer weather and that kind of thing. I think they came up for like a, an away game in like December or November or something, and obviously. You know, I'm to put the floodlights on 15 minutes into the game, and they start ch- chatting. Have you ever seen the sun? <laughs> which, uh, which, which really got me. But uh, one of the best things was something I said, which was I think it was the ball came to Kelvin at two here. I think I can't remember it was against maybe Lincoln or something like that. About 30, 40 yards from goal, and he advanced forward. I says, and I think I said, oh, don't you shoot? And uh, what do you know? He hit a low shot and it flew into the bottom corner. And I always remember the fact that uh, Greg Bullman, obviously, who does 60 second reviews for us occasionally, turned around and wet himself laughing at me and was uh, giving me a fair bit of stick. I think it's fair. I had a it. similar situation at Tranmere when uh, Show Silver scored, when Gibson yeah. took that shot. Me and my mates, I remember, I don't know if I actually said it, but I was like, oh, don't shoot from there. And obviously, it cannoned off the, <laughs> the post of the bar, wherever it was. But when you said, I. I Right, I'll. This is the last one, but again, oh. it involves me sort of. But it was it was directed at. I don't think it was directed at my mate, but um, it was before Rochdale when we were all in that pub uh, trying to beat the mm. Jaeger record. Um, and it was before it was as they were pouring the Jaegers and things like that. And I'm pretty sure it would have been directed at the police, but my mate was wearing a yellow jacket, and they. <laughs> The Carlisle fans in the pub started chanting. I, I won't say the word because it's going to get bleeped out anyway, and I don't want my uh, other people in the house to think I'm on some sort of rage session. Um, <laughs> but they started chanting, if you wear a yellow jacket, you're a And And my mate, he was like, he didn't really come to Carlisle games much, but he lives in Manchester, so he came with us, and we were we were laughing so much. You know what? That's great, that because that links perfectly to back to Greg. Funny enough, because Greg likes to wear a bright coloured jacket to games, so he can spot himself on the fan phones and stuff <laughs> like that. Because he's a vain sod, and I love the fact that he's going to listen to this and say, "I'm not, I'm not." But, um, but yeah, he. Uh, that, I think that one went up. At, I think it was actually at, at Rochdale of that game. I come up and I remember looking over it and pointing something. Talk about you. Talk about you. And he's just wet, pissing himself laughing. So, brilliant stuff. Um, right, some of the other silly ones. Uh, Dave Noble asks, do you like owls? Uh, yes, and I know a cracking owls on you, David, so look forward to that. Um, Linking to owls. Sp- that's all from another, another podcast. It's the Have a Word podcast, if you know what that is. Mm. Um, yes, yes. They asked the question of how many owls would you have to see in a day before you thought something was wrong? 
It's a good question, that. I reckon if I saw more than four, I'd be a bit, hmm. I think four is the limit there. where you think, right, something's going on here. You're walking yeah. around, you see an owl, you go, but, that's, that's an owl. Unless you actually are at an owl sanctuary, in which case it's I know, but, it's, I, I know, but how it. often do you see an owl in person? You just no, don't walk around and see an owl. So if you saw one, you'd yeah. make a note of it. It'd be like, oh, I saw an owl today. And if you saw another yeah. one, you'd be like, that's odd. There's another owl. And then you saw yeah. another one, you'd be like, that's odd. There's a, there's another yeah. owl. And that's when I think yes. it really starts to spiral. Yeah. No, you've got me worried now. Next time I see a few owls, I'm going to be like, what's going on? This is very strange. Uh, Matt Spooner, who's like the, uh, <clears throat> the, the kiosk um, fan rep on the board, he asks... Would you rather be Brian Wake or Brian Shelley? Uh, this one's probably more for me because it's before your time, yes. Adam. Uh, 100% Brian Wake uh, because I can't imagine how good that moment was when he scored that hat-trick against Shrewsbury that kept us up in, in 2003 because that was... I'm so annoyed that I wasn't at that game, but I know a few people who were in that terrace behind the goal at Game Meadow. Great old ground Game Meadow. An absolute dump, but a great ground to go to. And uh, I'm pretty sure at least two or three people sprained their ankles in the celebrations <laughs> that went on when he scored his hat trick goal in that game. So yeah, so, yeah Brian I, Wake I can't every day. To of the remember week. that moment? Certainly yeah. not. Um, any other silly questions we got? I'm, I'm wondering whether I save Regan's now. I should. In fact, you know what? We've asked enough questions, so I'm going to go straight to Regan's yeah. question. And Regan's question is: Which one former Carlisle player would you least like to be stuck in a lift with, and why? Go on, you go first. I put a lot of thought into this. One, because I was off from work today, so I had the time to. But also, I think it was a question that deserved my time. Um, and I, there's a few names that, that floated around. For some reason, Tom Tyra was the first one that came to mind, but I have no reasoning for why that's the case. But I settled on Richie Bennett. Okay. Physiological reasons, obviously, he's a big lad, sort of take up. But I, that was sort of my point, was I feel like he'd just lose his head after a few minutes and just start punching things, like punching the buttons and stuff like that. And the, the help alarm, I yeah. just think he'd be an absolute box of frogs in there and I wouldn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give an answer that I'm pretty sure is the answer Mike would give as well. And I'm going to say Steve Soley and I'm not going to explain it. So there you go. Right. That's the questions done for this episode. We're going to take a short break. And after the break, I'll be speaking to Ryan from the Trotter Chatter podcast about all things Bolton Wanderers. And then after that, we'll be back to look ahead to the Bolton game itself. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. So yes, here we are back with Behind Enemy Lines for this week. Uh, and we're speaking to... Ryan from Trotter Chatter, uh, Bolton Wanderers podcast. Uh, we spoke to Ryan earlier this season, ahead of the game down at the, got to get this right, the Tough Sheet Stadium. <laughs> I always forget well, that now. He's had that many names. That's the it's, one. Um, yeah. Um, well, Ryan, we'll get straight into it. Uh, you are the informed team in the division. If you win your games in hand, you go top of the table. And yet, it sounds like you were a little bit lucky with that win on Tuesday night against Cheltenham from some of the reports I've read. And there's a few issues in terms of injuries and suspensions and stuff like that at the moment. What's the feeling ahead of this game, especially obviously with the memories of the defeat against us earlier this season, which stands out like a sore thumb when you go through the fixtures and you see that that one L and a load of Ws alongside it? Yeah, um, I think when I speak to you yesterday, um, and I think Mm -hmm. um, since then, it feels like it's gone even worse. Um, So we Mm. already had a... Uh, we had injury scares anyway. Um, Forrester, uh, one of our defenders, is out out for a while. 
uh, Nolundalu striker for a while, uh, and then uh, Dempsey, um, Randall Williams, uh, both went off uh, on the game against Cheltenham uh, on Tuesday night, both sort of out for longer than we'd like them to be. And uh, and George Thomason has picked up uh, basically too many yellow cards, and he's uh, he's suspended for two games. As Everett said, he's got he's got more cards than Clinton's in, uh, and he, he loves to live by that. So that leaves us at the minute with only sixteen senior players in the squad, um, and we've got quite a thin squad anyway. So I'm very nervous. I'm uncomfortable about it. Um, like I said, we, uh, we it was a difficult game against Cheltenham. Uh, the conditions were horrible. I think the whole game felt like a bit of an inconvenience anyway, with it being obviously being rescheduled due to uh, obviously the incident the other week, sort of shoved in on a random Tuesday. And uh, Cheltenham are not a bad side, it appears, as well. So it was uh, winning ugly. Yeah, and uh, confidence isn't at the highest, I must say. I might have this wrong, but I was doing a bit of research before our pod today, and um, you don't seem to have made a single signing in January from what I can see so far. And I don't think I've seen any go out. I, I, I don't think I've seen any go out. Is this something the fans are frustrated about, or is there is a level of happiness about the fact that you've got that stability in your squad for this season? Well, Everett and uh, Markham, who obviously look after the transfers, they've, they've become very like particular in the kind of players that they want. That's all well and good. Um, bringing in players who initially they were looking for short-term loans from uh, like Premier League sides, but we couldn't guarantee those players the game time that they wanted. Uh, yeah. The issue we have now is we've got seven days left of the transfer window and a lot of injuries and suspensions. So we're in a mad rush. That's correct. We've got had no signings so far. And yes, it's very frustrating because uh, we want promotion. We need promotion and we can't have... Such a thin squad with so many games. But it's the positive, I suppose, like I said there, the fact that no one's gone out either, though. You, you, your squad is quite settled and in a way they know each other and you're not having to introduce those variables because sometimes you do find that you, teams will go out and sign a load of players in January when they're in really good form and actually can affect how well they're doing in that sense. Yeah, um, so a lot of the, the bad eggs or the players who weren't getting game time, got they basically moved along in the, uh, in the summer. Uh, I don't think we expected anyone to, to go. I think because the squad's quite small, we've, we've had plenty of game time um, throughout, throughout. So, yeah, uh, it, we've had one Lorne out and basically he's like a, a B-team player anyway. So, yeah, it, it is good to see. There is stability, there's familiarity. But but now, obviously now the worry is uh, it's the lack of players. We've also had Mendes Gomez go to AFCON and Gethin Jones go to the Asia Cup. So that's obviously two other players yeah. unavailable. Uh, as you can imagine, it's uh, it's turning me grey at the moment. <laughs> I, can, I can I can imagine just that. I mean, you, you mentioned there you really do need to get promotion this season. I mean, Everett seems to have been fairly well backed and and he seems quite fairly well liked by the fans as well. You know, you play some really good football and you know you. I mean, you only have to look at your form recently. You, you're absolutely flying. How how important really is it though to get to get that promotion this season and, and get yourselves back up to that championship level? Yeah, so we've had a, quite a high level of investment from the owners, um, and apparently there's a lot of future investment waiting in the sidelines. If we can, if we can promise championship football, the the, the, the problem I'm I'm worried about is if we don't go up, that sort of this project sort of falls apart. I think in the, it, uh, there's a lot of players who could be playing championship football, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funding, the investment won't be there, and potentially Ian Everett has 
been given enough time to sort of do do what he needs to do, and maybe we we try again with a different manager. So there's a lot yeah. on the line. There's a lot on the line, and we, inarguably one of the easier League One seasons as well. It's our best chance, and if it's not now, I, I can't see when it's ever going to be. Yeah, no, it, it, it's only when you look at the bottom half of the table as well. How close those teams are to each other does show you how at the top actually, if you can get yourself up to some good form, you can really get away and, and hopefully get yourselves promotion. Um, looking ahead to this weekend, then uh, really big following coming up to Cumbria. I think it might be one of the biggest away followings we've had probably since dare I say their name Leeds United <laughs> back in the uh, when we were in League One last time. We, they used to bring. Thousands each time. Uh, it looks like three thousand. You can have the waterworks terrace behind the goal as well. Um, what is it that's got so many fans seem to be excited about coming up for this 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 journey up the M6? Is it the fact that obviously you haven't been to Brunton Park since the nineteen eighties? I think it is in terms of uh, being able to go to a game because obviously you were you were up in the COVID season, but there was only home fans allowed for that game. I think so. I, I think I don't know what it is. Everyone has been excited about it, myself included. I think it's local. Mm. It's a uh, it's a good place for a drink and a laugh as well. It's it's, it's only an hour an hour and a half, and, the, and yeah, it's it's ticking off that ninety two, isn't it? Eh? Mm-hmm. When we saw the fixture, we were all we were all quite keen to do it, uh, and and, and I, I don't know why. There's some kind of unconscious bias there, but yeah, very excited, and myself being one of them, going up there on Saturday. Well, it's one, isn't it? Because for, for the ones who live down in London and stuff, or any sort of clubs like that, it's always like, oh, Carl's the longest trip. We've got to do that at some point in, in, in your life or something. It's not quite the same when you're a Lancashire-based club, but at the same time, it's actually not that. It's a longer journey, but it's not that long a journey. So I suppose that's the slight attraction, isn't it, to, to make that journey. Um, let's talk about some of the ex-Blues in your squad again then. Um, looks like only one of them is probably going to feature, I guess, because um, as you mentioned there, Carl Dempsey, he's injured. So it looks like he won't play. Um, Jack Iredell, is he fit, I presume, at the moment? or is He He is fit. He's one of our uh, only centre-back options and he's not really a centre-back. Uh, we've sort of shoved him in, mm. in the back three uh, in, in replacement of Forrester and Jones. Uh, so, yeah, he's fit. Uh, I'm not very keen on him in that position, but we'll, no. we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He's he's a very good player on the ball, isn't he? And that's the thing that stood out. He never really got a chance at Carlisle. It was a strange one with him. He came in and we signed Nick Anderton. Obviously, you've fully heard of in terms of what's happened with his cancer and stuff like that at Bristol Rovers. And he sort of lost his place to him. And then obviously he went to Cambridge and was brilliant. So it's a frustrating one, Jack Idol, for us. And uh, Gethin Jones was the third one. As you mentioned there, he's out in the Asia Cup. I mean, that's quite a strange thing, isn't it? To have a... A League One player, and, and he played the first two games as well, didn't he? I was just looking at that the other day. He, he's actually been featuring regularly for Australia. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like an Australian grandparent, or I don't yeah. know if he's born over there, but a, a lot of the Australian fans don't know who he is, but he, he walks straight into the starting lineup for some reason. I mean, fair play to Everett. We, we've got a very important season, but he's not sort of uh, taking away Geth's opportunity of playing international football when I was there. The Welsh team, he was getting nowhere near that. So, yeah, um, he's uh, obviously he's been at Bolton for a very long time as well. He's sort of been through the journey. Um, whether he's reaching his limit now, I think League One's probably as far as he's going to go. Uh, that that might be the case. But, yeah, uh, he's a bit marmite with the fans. A bit marmite. I'm going to ask you about a signing we've made today, Josh Feller, because he started out at um, Bolton Wanderers. Quite well thought of, I think, at the start, wasn't he? I, Read somewhere that you turned down a million pounds from Liverpool to sign him as a, an academy player or something like that. I think it was. Um, 
he seems quite combative looking at his record disciplinary wise, especially. But um, what, what, what are your memories of him at Bolton? I remember, I remember his debut. I remember him coming up through the squad and how he didn't end up becoming a Premier League player at the time is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, he's got everything you want in a in a player for this division. Like you said, competitive. He's he's a he's a leader. Uh, and he's comfortable on the ball. I think we've got a very similar player in George Thomason. I think um, Thomason yeah. reminds me a lot of, uh, obviously Thomason's only 23, a lot of Vela when, when we first saw him on the scene. I think you've got a really good player there and I think he will certainly help you battle through the uh, the, the remaining games of the season. It just seemed a strange one that Fleet would have let their captain go, but yeah, I suspect that it, it, it kind of feels like they're preparing themselves for going down almost when you look at some of the work they've done in terms of getting their younger and more sellable assets signed up on longer deals and trying to get the players on bigger wages moved on. Um, who are the other danger men then in the squad to watch out for? I think obviously you, the thing that stands out for me is how much quality you've got in midfield. When I look goal scoring wise, you've not scored that many goals in recent games though. No, we, uh, the games where we have scored goals, we've scored a lot of goals, but yeah, it's um, it, it, we've done a lot of battling through, and and I don't mind that. I don't mind that because yeah. last season we had a lot of silly losses that affected our chances of getting sort of those automatic promotion spots. Uh, Dion yeah. Charles, obviously, his goal record will say mm-hmm. all. He's uh, he feeds off those scraps, and uh, he, he he can bag a goal. The issue we've had with him recently is that he's missing the easy ones, uh, which is becoming quite frustrating. Uh, he missed uh, two very clear chances against Leighton Orient, and and one in front of the cameras uh, against Portsmouth on a Monday night as well on, on telly. Uh, obviously, Ricardo Santos, our centre-back, our captain, um, he, he's he's definitely a championship-level player. Um, uh, great on the ball, um, strong, and uh, he, he will give a, he'll give a, a strike a very difficult time. I, I was going to point out George Thomason. I think he's uh, by far our most improved player, uh, but unfortunately he won't be featuring. And that very mm. packed midfield of quality where we could basically rotate a full of the full midfield three is now become very slim, unfortunately, with yeah. uh, injuries and whatnot. Yeah, it's interesting, obviously, you mentioned Santos there. And I think I spent this when I was speaking on your pod that he's a strange one for me because he's obviously a quality player. When I've seen him a couple of times on TV, he's looked okay. But every time I've seen him in the flesh, he's been awful. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, every time he's been against Carlisle, he's been dreadful. Plenty yeah. have said that. There's, there's something, you don't know, it's behind closed doors when it's the three o'clock blackout. You, you, you don't see those bits, do you? No, no, it's a strange one. Um, well, Ryan, you've been really generous for your time. Just before you finish, I just want to ask you, in terms of the rest of the season, what are your hopes for football? And do you think you can sneak into those top two places? I mean, Portsmouth do seem to have dropped off quite a bit, and it seems like you and Peterborough, and maybe even Derby, are the three that are really pushing to try and drag them out of there. Yeah. Um, look, we're winning ugly. The chances are there. The reason we've dropped off is because we've had a lot of games suspended. Uh, and Portsmouth have given us an open goal there. So I'd like to think, I'm pretty confident we'll be in the top two. We've got a lot of big games to play yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, so we will certainly see. Um, I do not want to imagine a world where we go into those playoff spots because no. it's difficult. It's difficult. And I said I said on our pod that we'll end up against Stevenage or something like that and he'll be an absolute slog and we'll end up going out in the semi-finals or something. But yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be top two. We've got to do it automatically. 
I always think the League One playoffs always seem to be the toughest ones of the lot because because you've because you only have the two going up at the top as well, especially, and it's so compact that it just it always feels like it's a real real slog, as you say there. Um, Ryan, before you go, then one one last question: What's your prediction for this one? So I'll, I'll be consistent, albeit I'm not very confident. I will stick with a very ugly one nil loss. I mean, win. Sorry, whoa, one nil win. Oh, I like. <laughs> I'll take the one little loss. I think you meant one little loss for us, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, um, yeah, it won't, Ryan, be easy. it won't be easy. Ryan, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Of course. Good luck to you guys after this weekend. Hi, it's uh, Tom Pyatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, we're back into part three of uh, this week's episode. Um, thanks once again to Ryan from uh, Trotter Chatter for giving up his time to speak to us ahead of this weekend's game. Um, thank you, everyone, for your questions again uh, that you sent in. Apologies if we didn't get around to reading them all. It's my fault for putting them in such a slapdash order and not being able to have to go backward and forward to look through them. I just didn't have time to, to sort them out properly because I've been doing a, a few bits with a couple of other Bolton podcasts tonight. Um, so that's, that's the reason why it's, it's taken up all my time. Uh, right, Adam. Uh, in fact, actually, Mike's got a question for us. So let's do Mike's question of the week before we go any further. So, former Carlisle and Bolton striker Gary Medine has had loan spells at six different clubs during his career. Which clubs are they? Uh, loan spells. Right. When he was with us, he had loan spells at Rochdale. I remember that quite early in his career. And then Coventry City randomly. Right. I remember that one because it was a weird one because it was kind of like, I'm sure they were at a higher level than us at that point. But this is when he's having some of his off-the-field issues. So Rochdale and Coventry, definitely. Carlisle. <laughs> he had a loan spell at Carlisle. Obviously, you've got to remember that, man. That's true. Obvious, yes, right? I didn't even think of that. So from there, what else? Um, um, I'm just trying to think of championship teams that he might have been at. Oh, did he, did he go on loan to Sheffield United from Cardiff? Uh. I was thinking one of the Sheffield clubs, but I just I couldn't remember if he was actually on loan there. I feel like he I feel like he went to Sheffield Wednesday from us permanently, so I think yeah. Sheffield United he was on loan. So got Sheffield United on loan, which leaves us with four. Two to go. Two more to get. Where else is he Um doing? I'm just trying to think if he was he wasn't loaned to Blackpool initially. Um, no, Bolton obviously he was there permanently. Um, because he went from there to Cardiff for a permanent deal. Uh, I can't remember who his other clubs were. Neither, and it feels like he's a player who's been about a bit. So, wait, did he have a spell at Huddersfield Town? That, that for some reason that's ringing a bell in my head. I feel like he's been out of spell at Huddersfield. So I'm going to throw Huddersfield in there. Yeah, and then. I'm struggling with the fifth one, so we're just going to have to go with the answer to this one. That's a that's a genuinely really good question, Mike. That that stumped me a little bit there. So let's let's hear what the answer is. They are Rochdale, Coventry, yep. Chesterfield, Carlisle, Blackpool, and Sheffield United. I was right of Blackpool. Yeah, he must have gone low there before he went there permanently. Oh wow, um, Chesterfield. I, I oh, that's really annoying with that one because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's when he was with us as well. Um, I don't remember that. Did I, throw, did I throw a random one in there that was incorrect? I might imagine that. I saw Huddersfield in on that. Yeah, Huddersfield, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I thought he sure. Maybe he didn't play with Huddersfield, I don't know, but there you go. Um, right, let's look ahead to the Bolton game then, Adam. Um, 
interesting one, this one, because you look at the form, it's quite terrifying. They are top of the form table quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, you know They've lost one of their last six, which wasn't late in Orient, the last away game they played. Um, but other than that, in league, they, yeah, five wins in the last six. They're in third place. Um, if they win the games in hand, they go top of the league. And yet, it sounds like they weren't that great against Cheltenham on Tuesday night. And there's a bit of a worry in terms of injuries for them. They're, they are a bit down to the bare bones. Is this potentially a good opportunity to, to get what would be an incredibly rare double this season? <laughs> oh, what a double it would be. It would be very Carlisle yeah. to, to get the double over team who could end up winning the league and get relegated in the same season. Um, well, well, we we did that in 74-75. Well, we, we didn't do the double over Derby. We did the double over Everton and cost them the league, basically. So, could do that again. Yeah. Well, I remember for that late anointing game that they lost, I, I'm pretty sure I put them in an acker and I was like, I couldn't believe why they were so... Um, mm. The odds were so good on them to win. I know it was away from home, but it seemed odd. So, I thought something was up and... I'd heard what Simo said about he'd gone to the game against Cheltenham um, yeah. in mid, was it midweek. It was midweek, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and wasn't well, not wasn't too impressed, but was impressed with what Cheltenham did to sort of frustrate mm-hmm. them and things like that. And they were, he said they were unlucky to have a goal uh, chalked off. So yeah, I, I wasn't too aware of the injuries. Maybe you can allude to that a bit more, but. If there's injuries there with obviously new players mm. into the Carlisle squad and off the back of the Barnsley performance, then it's something that we can definitely capitalise on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm looking through here. I mean, I'm not sure entirely who all the injuries are, but I know the fact that, um, uh, what's his name? Randall Williams is out for seven to eight weeks. Yeah, that's a big um, one for them. Kyle Dempsey, I think they're hopeful that he will be fit this weekend. Will Forrester's out as well. Um You've also got Geffen Jones, who's in uh, the, at the Asia Cup with Australia at the moment, um, doing really well there as well, to be fair. Um, I know that Gomez has come back from the Cup of Nations. I think they reckon he'll be back in time for the game, but you'd imagine he might be a bit jet-lagged if he's coming back on um, on Thursday afternoon, you know, Thursday to arrive. Well, today, obviously, it would be as a recording to be, to be here for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So he might not be fit to start. They're hoping Kyle Dempsey will be fit for the game. He did hobble off, I think, against um, Cheltenham in midweek, having come on as a sub, but it looks like he will be fit. But yeah, they're a little bit, I think from what I can gather, they've only got 16 first-team players who are fit at the moment. So it, it, could, it could be, a, there's an opportunity there, isn't there, I think, potentially to, yeah. to get at them. I think the one thing that I've, from uh, a Bolton fan that I know from, from uni, is they seem to be a bit uh, like, I'm trying to think of teams who are like this, but they perform well against teams who are at their level and play down to the teams who are near the bottom, which is obviously why they lost to Leighton Orient. I know Leighton Orient aren't near the bottom, but they shouldn't be anywhere near Bolton's level. Struggled yeah. a little bit against Cheltenham, obviously lost to us earlier in the season. So if that's the sort of theme of this squad, then it's a game we have to be taking advantage of. It's It could end up playing out like they start slowly. I don't think they will because they'll have such a big crowd behind them. But if they start slowly like Barnsley did, at home especially, you've got to be able to take those chances and we should have the confidence in being able to beat them because we've done it already. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that Barnsley game is a good sort of template because when we played against them early in the season, we just sat back and frustrated Bolton and hit them on the break. And that's very similar to what we did mm-hmm. against um, against uh, Barnsley. Put pressure on the centre-backs, press them and 
that, that, that potentially is a really, really good opportunity for us. I think tactically, the way we approached the two games were slightly different. Whereas I think Bolton away, we literally, I think, just allowed them to walk towards the halfway line with the ball. Like we didn't really put any pressure on them. Whereas Barzi, we did try and force the issue a little bit more. Um, so it will be interesting to see if they take the exact same approach. I doubt they will, um, just because I don't think they'll want to be so easy to read. Like Ian Everett and the Bolton staff will know that's probably roughly what we're going to try and do and they're going to game plan for that. So if we we try and that approach, then it could get found out quite quickly. Um, but it's one that's been proven to frustrate yeah. them. I mean, he's quite stubborn though, Everett, though, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's a very, very good stubborn. coach, clearly a very good coach, but he's very much, this is my philosophy, this is the way I want to play. We're going to stick to that. We're not going to do anything different. Mm-hmm. So... I do wonder if he'll stick with that again for this game. Possibly. It can be to his detriment at times, obviously, as we saw mm. in the previous meeting. They just will not get away from this style of play. And it means, you know, if like when we were 2-1 up uh, in the game, it leads to those moments where they're just really struggling to get through and the fans get frustrated mm. and they're just like, well, we're trying the same thing over and over. And it's not working. Try something different. But they just he won't let his team do it. So... If you can get in an advantageous position against Bolton, then you're in a very, very good position to win the game then because if you can stifle them at one point, you should be able to stifle them throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the key. Problem is a lot of teams haven't been able to do that. If you look at the results, they've got exactly. incredible runs of, of wins. So you know, we were quite lucky in a sense that we, we we got them probably on a slightly off day, but also played at our very best that day. Yeah. Um, we talk about fans there. They're going to be backed by a huge follower, aren't they? 3,000 fans, one of the biggest away fans we've had at Brunton Park in the league mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, what's your thoughts on this thing? Simo sounded a little bit down on the fact that we'd given them the water. Said, I don't mind it too much. I'm, I, I'd am i like the good atmosphere. And I think actually it can really inspire our fans to make a noise too. Well, the problem obviously that Simo has is the fact that they're going to be behind the goal. And obviously the amount of them is going to you know cause a lot of noise. But like with Derby we opened the waterworks for the home fans and there just really wasn't anybody there. Like, yeah. It's very different to the playoff games. Yeah, it? exactly. You know, it, at the end of the day, it's just a league game. Like, you're not going to get, just because it's Bolton, you're not going to get tons and tons and tons of people who aren't usually there yeah. who are wanting to get a ticket allowing the waterworks to open to home fans. So I think just from a business sense, it makes sense. Um, obviously, it gives them a little bit of an advantage in terms of probably they're going to be noisy the whole game and that could... Yeah push them a bit more but I think but doing like, otherwise is just a bit of a it's a bit of a stupid move but but like you said though if you, if you can frustrate them they might start to get on the back and that can be a disadvantage yeah, as well of when course. you've got that loud away following you know if if you let's say you go to half time 1-0 up and you've caused a lot of problems and Bolton have barely threatened you mm-hmm. they walk off they get booed off by their fans and that that can get to players as well so definitely you know, yeah yeah you've got to use that as, to your advantage mm-hmm. as well in terms of um, Bolton's squad, they've not made any signings in January. It sounds like they might have one done before this game. Possibly, I think it's Niall Lennis who was at yeah. Perth last season. They've been strongly be a very good signing. I mean, it would be very, very good signing them. But they've clearly been very patient in terms of that. And there's a lot of squad stability there, even with it being quite thin at the moment. Yeah. It, there's an advantage to that sometimes, isn't there, I think? Yeah, definitely. If you have the same squad, then you're able to, you know, build up that rapport with players and that understanding that allows Ian Everett to apply the system that he does. Um, I think Ennis is being looked at, obviously, because of his reputation uh, from yeah. his time at Plymouth, but also because uh, Victor 
uh, how do you pronounce it? Victor Adebayejo is being looked at by other clubs for yeah. a potential move away. So that's sort of, sort of filling a hole for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're going to have a good squad. It's Bolton. They're at the top of League One. We've seen, even in the fact that we won, they were a very, very good side. Um, yeah. And it's going to be the same this weekend. It's just about being able to frustrate them to the point where, you know, like you said, the fans maybe get a bit sort of tired of what they're yeah. doing and then we can then capitalise on it. We just need to keep it as tight as possible for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's do some of the stats then before we look talk about United's lineup. Um Head-to-head wise, uh, it's the 31st meeting between the two sides. United actually are ahead in the head-to-heads. Uh, 12 wins uh, to Bolton's 11 with seven draws. We actually have only won one of our last seven games against them, which was the last time out. <laughs> so no, it, it really should be two when we think back to the last time we played them at home, oh, which was the 4-4. Four, four. Was it 3-3? Three not half-time and we lost three. Was, we drew three. You can't, three, so you, you can't imagine how different Bolton's future might have been because he never would have been sacked if yeah. they'd lost 3-0. Well, he, he, he potentially could have been in trouble because it would have probably been, we would have gone top of the league at that point as well. Yeah. But they were like 17th. So the turnaround he had at that from that point onwards was incredible actually when you look at it. A remarkable job he did to, to drag them back up the league. Um, yep, so that's your head-to-head. Referee for this one, Scott Oldham. It's his seventh season in the EFL and this season he's taken charge of 24 games handing out 71 yellows and four red cards. Last season, he handed out 122 yellows and two red cards in 37 games. Not too many reds last season, but quite a few yellows. Card happy. Um, very card happy indeed. And the last United game he took charge of was the 2-1 defeat against Walsall in the FA Cup last season, a game we'd probably all rather forget. Definitely. Having been 1-0 up in that one and, and blown it at the end. Um, yes, uh, let, let's talk about United then. Um, injury-wise, doesn't look like Coyote's going to be fit Still for maybe no. a couple of weeks, possibly we're not hundred percent sure on that. Obviously, Callum guys out. There's not been much talk about Josh Emmanuel if he's fit or not for this one. I don't think he will be. I think the one person who's they said Ben Barkley's back in full training. Yes, uh, and also available. Terry Oblada is going to be an option for the squad. I think for the weekend. I think I think, I think that this weekend sounds like might come too soon. Oh no, so, sorry. I've, I've, he's Simpson said he's going to hopefully play in the game on the Tuesday game. at Penrith. Penrith. Yeah, yeah, that's so what I'm getting confused. The idea is that'll get him back up to speed. So, yeah. Well, that's good because the, the, the original suggestion was it was going to be mid-February that he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. So actually, we've got him back quicker. We've got Finn back back quicker as well, which has been good to see him play, yeah. potentially. Well, it seems um, it'll probably... Well, obviously, they were going to rotate it for the weekend just because of um, yeah. fatigue. But they might actually keep it the same because of the game being called off. <laughs> Very interesting to see what he does with this. What, what, what would you do in terms of the lineup? I've, I think we've sort of an agreement it's going to be 3 5 2. I think he's going to stick with that for now. I think goalkeeper and your back three, I think, pick themselves at the moment as long as they're fit. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who start. So, what do you do in terms of wing backs, midfield, and attack? I, I honestly, I think the only change will be Vela in for McCalmont. I think that'll be the okay. only change. Um, I think he'll keep Bullworth up front just because I know he obviously missed those chances, but he was getting in good positions and eventually those are going to, they're going to go in like those chances are going to go in. And he's a, he's a bit different to Gibson, whereas Gibson's more of a sort of technical player who's looking to, you know, find people. He's going to run, Bullworth's going to run at people and cause problems in that sense. But 
that would also potentially lend itself to Diamond's coming. I know he's a, a more of a winger, but if yeah. Simpson potentially sees him as being able to play off of Armstrong, then yeah. that would lend itself to a brief uh, second half cameo. But yeah, I think Velo would be the only change uh, because the performance against Barnsley was good enough to warrant them all starting again. I think I'd probably say same as you, but I'd Velo in for Alfie, but I'd maybe bring Finn back in for Jack Ellis. Not hundred percent. I'm not. I, I think either player would be good in that role, but that's that's where I'd be looking at. But I, I agree with you. I think the great thing is potentially got some really good options on the bench for I this know. game as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Some players are going to be left out at the end of the day, you know. So it's, it's, it's you'd imagine Gibson and Diamond will be on there, maybe Charters. But then what do you do in terms of defense? Do you put just Jack Robinson? Well, Jack Robinson didn't feature, did he? Against no. Does he maybe not feature? Do you have Ben Barkley on there? Or yeah, yeah, and obviously then got Garner and um, Maguire. Maguire, yeah. So, so, so what? Do you, it, it, some tough decisions to be made, definitely for this one. Um, right, prediction time. What are you going to go for? Um, I've, I don't think I've actually not predicted a win all the times I've been on here, but I'm going to break that thing. I think it's going to. I'm going to hedge my bets and go for a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it could be somewhat high scoring I'm going to go for 2-2 because mm-hmm. I, th- I just think they've got enough quality that they'll be able to break us down at some point um, but now we've got more capabilities on the counter so I think it probably lends itself to that I'd be disingenuous to predict, predict a win um, to be honest so yeah 2-2 yeah. draw I'll go with a goal from Armstrong and mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go for a debutant goal. I'm going to go for a Paul Huntington header. Okay, okay. I'm going to go for two one win. <laughs> Come on, I might as well be bold. Let, let's let's go for it. Two one win. I think Luke Armstrong will score as well. But I'm going to go for an Owen Moxon goal and a pointed celebration as a result. I did. So yeah, I saw someone on uh, on Twitter saying it'd be very Carlisle for him to score the winner. Um, yeah, absolutely. Going forwards, I think it will be interesting, and it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this about how the additions of uh, Vela and Diamond will change the way that we set up because they're not necessarily players. Well, Diamond more so than Vela, who fit into the current five-three-two yeah. system. Yeah, it'd be. I, I'm. I'm very curious to see what he does. Whether he almost tries Diamond in that midfield free and sees whether we can do that as like a. Similar to what we did with Gibson last year, but maybe. Wait and see. Maybe. Right. Um, okay. Let's have Dan's prediction first. Does lightning ever strike twice? Well, I'm going to say it does and go for a repeat of the 3 1 win that we had against Bolton down at their place. Uh, goal scorers will go Luke Armstrong, Sam Lavelle, and Josh Vella to notch on his debut. I mean, Josh Fuller's not got a great goal-scoring record, so Danny's no. very ambitious, that choice. He's if he gets that one, I'll be fuming. Later. <laughs> there you go. Right, here's Mike's predictions for this one. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win with a brace from Armstrong. I think we're all back in Armstrong yeah. at the moment because I think... And Mike's done it from his microwave. Go- Once again, yeah, just, just weird, that, isn't it? Um, right. X-Files to wrap things up. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks to cover because we obviously didn't do it last week. Uh, starting with the previous weekend, this is the weekend of the 13th, I think the weekend of the Oxford game. 
Callum O'Hare scored a brace for Coventry in their 3-1 home win over Leicester City. We watched this on the big screen in the fan zone. and They were fantastic. I watched it at home. He's, he's been brilliant since he's come back from injury mm. and he needed to because his contract's up at the end of the season. Um, he's in big clubs, isn't he? I think, yeah, well. which has done him plenty of favours. He's a very good player. He's a very, very he good is. player. And he's yeah, one of those players who's just sort of can create something from nothing. Yeah, and absolutely. They're, they're gold dust. Yeah, yeah. Andy Cook scored for Bradford City in their 1-1 draw at Colchester United. Paddy Madden is just chipping away with goals at the moment for Stockport. He netted from the penalty spot in their 3-1 home win over Walsall. Jack Bridge also scored from the penalty spot, this time for Southend United in their 1-0 win at Eastleigh. George Glendon, he scored for Chess in their 3-0 home win over Gloucester City in the National League North. I, I can never get over that. Gloucester City being in the National League North, just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mick Kelly, this is an interesting one, but we don't normally do these. But Mick Kelly, it's a nice little story. This He made his debut, his full EFL debut for MK Dons in their 2-1 win at Tranmere Rovers. Really nice, that, because he, he was so patient last year, wasn't he? And yeah. just to get his chance for them, it's, it's good to see. I don't know why, I just never, I never considered the fact that he'd never played an EFL game, but good for Mick. Yeah, yeah we played in the trophy for us last season, that was it, wasn't mm, it, really? Yeah. So, so there you go. Um James Tavernier, just on to the this weekend just gone. James Tavernier, well, shock horror, he scored a penalty for Rangers. Uh, and I haven't written down what game it's from. So he scored a penalty for Rangers. Just just take it as given. Yeah. Um George Glendon scored another goal for Chester again their 2 0 win over Bishops. I mean, come on, Bishop Stortford. They're not a southern they're a southern club, they're not a northern club. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just that's like somewhere near Stevenage, isn't it? It's mad. Um so Bishop Stortford. Uh, here's a good one. Luis Alessandra scored a hat-trick. He netted three times for Hyde United in their 5-0 home win over Bradford Park Avenue. Nick Ballardo scored for Morpeth Town in their 3-3 draw of Ashton United. Dave Simonton, I like this one. He scored twice for Warrington, Workington sorry, in their 2-2 home draw with Warrington Rylands. And that takes him to 20 goals for the season for Workington. And he's a winger. He's not a striker. So fantastic effort from from David there. It's a really good interview, actually, that John Coleman did with him, didn't he, I think, for, for the News and Star. So check that out if you don't get the chance. Uh, and this is one that you might know a bit more about, um, Adam. Mark Cullen, he scored for Bamber Bridge in their 7-1 home defeat against Marine. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, I can't remember who, is he called Bobby Grant? Yes. They've signed, obviously, plays in the EFL a lot. Um, was he, he manager of Radcliffe till recently? I imagine that. Is that different Grant? I'm sure. Well, he's playing, he's playing football, so I'd imagine he's not come from being a manager. Um, no. but I think he, he's playing manager, possibly. Yeah. Maybe. But he did um, He did an interview. I can't remember who it was with, but he was. He did an interview after the game, after the one seven one, saying some of the lads were furious that we didn't get double digits. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant right. representation. Well, well, yes, he was manager of Radcliffe for two seasons, player manager oh, 54 games, 18 goals. And since then, he's played for Liverland twice, uh, FC United, but left them, I think, pretty much straight away to go back to Liverland. And now he's at Marine. So, yeah. so there you go. On the, also on the topic of Bradford Park uh, Avenue, it's not a club that we got to go to Marine yeah. last year, but some of the guys who've taken over from us this year were at Bradford Park Avenue recently. And I saw that they were doing the commentary from the game from a bench next to the, like just a wooden bench, one of those ones we sit opposite from people. Absolutely just brilliant. like in the corner of the ground, which is very, uh, Amazing. very Northern Premier League. 
I absolutely love that about uh, non-league grounds in, in this country. It's amazing. Uh, just a few other little bits to cover. Uh, Macaulay Gillespie, he's he's joined Charlton from Plymouth Argyle for an undisclosed fee. Not sure he'll be quite happy about that now. Uh, Appleton's been sacked already. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, Neil McDonald is back in English football. He's joined Kidderminster Harry's as assistant to Phil Brown after ending his recent spell with Indian Super League side Bangalore. Uh, J.K. Gordon, he got recalled from his loan spell at Cambridge by Crystal Palace, and he's now gone on loan to AFC Wimbledon until the end of the season on loan. I think that's a good move for him, to be fair. I think that's a bit closer to home and work better. Uh, Richard Keogh, he's left uh, Wickham Wanderers by mutual consent. Uh, nice little one here. Nick Anderton, he's been appointed as a coach uh, by Chris Beach, yeah, AFC Files. That's a lovely little yeah, story there. brilliant, that. And as we've mentioned already, obviously, Geffen Jones, he's played for Australia in the opening two fixtures of the Asia Cup, a 2-0 win over India and a 1-0 victory against Syria. So they're, I think, in the next round against Uzbekistan, I think they're playing against. So that should be an interesting one for him. Um, and that's it, Adam. Bit of a longer one than I thought it was going to be, but the questions took a bit of time. But um, thank you very much for joining me, as usual. Yeah, really no appreciate worries. appreciate it. Um, obviously, in terms of... a. Uh, Sponsorship, thank you to the London Badge for their support this season again. Um, we will be back next week for a preview of the Orient game and hopefully a review of the football game. If the, I'm presuming the Bolton game will be on. Um, but yeah, all that's left to say after that is uh, thanks very much and up the blues. Up the blues.